Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast by AsweatLife.com, on which we talk to high achievers about their goals. I'm Gina Anderson-Cohen. With me, I have Maggie Umberger and Kristen Guile. Good morning, Gina. Morning, Gina. And Kristen, this week you talked to Devin Klein, co-founder of the fitness franchise phenomenon, Burn Bootcamp. Yeah, so I spoke with Devin Klein, who we featured on asweatlife.com before, but it was great to get to talk to him to learn more about how he came up with the idea for Burn Bootcamp, and he's also just come out with a book. So he's a new author, and he wrote a book called Stop Starting Over, Transform Your Fitness by Mastering Your Psychology. And he was pretty open about you know where, where he came from and what his childhood was like and how he ended up where he is today. What can you share about that experience and listening to him? Yeah, so Devin had a really rough childhood, and he will tell you very openly that he grew up with abusive parents who were alcoholics and addicted to violence in a really poor area of Battle Creek, Michigan, where he's from. And... Part of the reason he became such a gifted athlete, he ended up playing in the minor leagues for the San Francisco Giants, if you weren't familiar. But part of the reason that drove him to that success is because he knew if he left the gym and went home, there was a really solid chance that he was going to get beat up. So he would stay late at the gym, he would practice, he would lift, he would work on his techniques. And the work that he put in during those hours really affected his ability to play college baseball and get noticed by the baseball professional scouts. So it was a horrible situation for him to be in. But it was amazing to me how he was able to find that silver lining and connect back to how his childhood had a good impact on him, even when it was such a depressing and traumatic situation for a child to be in. And today, Burn Bootcamp serves a lot of women across the country. Um, And he found sort of this love and respect for women for a lot of reasons, but mostly one main reason. Can you speak to how he found that reason and what that reason is? So when he was uh, in the minor leagues for the San Francisco Giants, these minor league players, I don't think this is a widely known fact, but they stay with host families to help keep costs down and to assimilate with living in that new area. So he sort of found his passion for training and for helping others by watching his host moms and noticing how they spent so much time taking care of everybody else in the family first that they put themselves last. And he wanted to help his uh, host moms, you know, learn how to take care of themselves first. And he cited the airplane oxygen mask situation, you know, like you need to be able to put on your own oxygen mask before you can help those around you. So throughout that, as he sort of conceptualized Burn Boot Camp and reached out to his first clientele, and even now that they have countless franchises and clients, women are still his main focus because he feels so strongly about teaching them, as he called it, to be selfless by being selfish. So I thought that was a really interesting way of, you know, viewing taking care of yourself and a different method of self-care is that it allows you to take care of other people as well once you sort of get your own self on lock. So today, if you go into a burn boot camp, you're going to see that the majority of their clients are women. And that's all because of Devin's focus and of his experience of staying with host families. And in terms of trying new things or, or adding to your passions, Devin has a pretty interesting view on, on what balance means. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Yeah. And I think this is something that also comes directly from his working with women most of the time is that there's this idea of being on a balance beam and, you know, how does she do it? How does she balance it all? How does she juggle it all? And a lot of that mentality assumes that if you want to add something in, you have to take something else away. Uh, And he comes from what I would call more of a philosophy of abundance, where he argues that there's always more room for the things that you love without having to take away from other things you love. And I think that's a really important concept. I know we all feel in this room that there are only so many hours of a day and so many hours in which you can accomplish certain things. And I just love the idea of feeling more connected by adding more to your life instead of rushing to take away things to make room for something else. So that's definitely something I am carrying with me throughout the rest of my life after working with Devin on this episode. What an inspiring interview. I can't wait to hear from Devin, author of the new book, Stop Starting Over and CEO of Burn Bootcamp. Here is Kristen with Devin. And stick around, goal getter. At the end of this episode, you'll hear from someone who's out there achieving big goals or setting big goals just like you. Welcome to the We Got Goals podcast. My name is Kristen Guile, and with me over the internet today is Devin Klein, the co-founder and CEO of Burn Bootcamp, the fastest ever growing fitness franchise in the nation, and recent author, new author of a book that recently came out in August called Stop Starting Over, Transform Your Fitness by Mastering Your Psychology. Devin, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic, and thank you so much for having me. That was a that was an excellent intro, and uh, I, I really appreciate you uh, having me on. It's a privilege. Of course, we had spoken with you. I think earlier this year, I think Maggie spoke with you about the Burn Bootcamp franchise, and we're excited to dig into that today, as well as learn a little bit more about how you approach goal setting because you've had a really interesting life, and it seems like you just keep setting these higher and higher milestones for yourself, and you keep hitting them. So. I think there's a lot that we can learn. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I hooked up with I hooked up with you guys uh, not too long ago. We have a mutual friend, and we have some uh, Chicago area locations, and I know that's where your home base is. So we flew up and, and met with you guys and had a nice little workout, and we walked around uh, the downtown streets of, of, of the Windy City and, and recorded some stuff. It was really, really fun. It's been great to get to know you you and the team. And if I'm not mistaken, you are from the Midwest area originally, correct? Originally, I'm from Battle Creek, Michigan, uh, and I played uh, uh, baseball at Central Michigan University, which uh, obviously kept me in Michigan for in the Midwest. Uh, ended up getting the opportunity to play with the San Francisco Giants, which broadened the scope of uh, geography a little bit. I was able to you know, see most of this country and some of the Western Hemisphere, and that ultimately led me to uh, Naples, Florida, where I stayed and began my personal training career. And then, you know, fast forward 18 months after that, I'm uh, 24 years old and starting Burn Bootcamp literally in a parking lot in Charlotte, North Carolina with no connections, about $600 worth of rusty dumbbells and uh, a whole lot of ambition, that's for sure. Well, I want to get in deeper to that story. That was a great overview. Tell me about growing up. Were you always an athlete or was that something that you worked hard at over the course of your childhood and through high school and college? Yeah, my, my father and his father were both very good athletes. So there is there is some genetics uh, that, that come. I wasn't as talented as they were before me. So, you know, I really had to work hard and I had a, I had a pretty rough upbringing, you know, and I, don't, I never tell the story for sympathy. I only tell it to make the rest of the story contextual. 
growing up in, in Battle Creek, Michigan, and you know, what most people would call the ghetto with uh, a parents who are addicted to drugs and alcohol. And more of the effect on my life was their physical violence addiction they had to each other and myself and my siblings. Uh, it was it was rough, you know, I mean, it, it forced me to grow up really, really quickly at a young age, 12, 13 years old, I'm dealing with mental and emotional stresses that I see some of my peers now at the CEO level in the fitness industry struggle with. And I was uh, able to, I pretty much knew what was waiting for me at home on any given day. And so I, I used the field uh, to escape. I played ba- basketball, football, but more importantly, baseball was my passion. And I used the field to escape. You know, I knew that if I would leave home early and get home late, that I could avoid some of the turbulence that might be going on at, in the household. And, uh, you know, but I just thought that's how it was. I thought that's how kids lived. And uh, it wasn't until I got outside of Battle Creek, Michigan and outside of my home till I realized that normal American families problems weren't drug abuse, for the most part, drug abuse and, and physical violence, but more so lethargy and lack of happiness due to fitness and nutrition. So I always worked hard. Yeah. And that, that I'll never change my upbringing because it taught me how to be a man. It taught me like if I would have had the parents that I wish I would have had now, I wouldn't be the man that I'm proud to be today. And so I'm always, always, always going to be grateful for that. Well, thank you for sharing with us. It sounds like a very harrowing childhood. And it's really amazing to see how you've come from that background to be such a positive, influential figure in the world, not even just in the health and fitness industry. How were you able to stay so goal-oriented when you were growing up in that abusive environment? It seems like it'd be so easy to just do what it takes to skate by, you know, do the bare minimum in baseball practice or mm-hmm. homework or whatever you were doing at the time. How were you able to achieve such great goals when you were growing up that way? Yeah, and I write about this in my in my book, Stop Starting Over, and it's it's really it's really decision that you make. And like I said, when I was a young kid, I was I was a little bit more grown up than I than I had to be because of the things I was going through. But life's circumstances, the events uh, that happen to us that really condition who we are, each one of those events, and there's usually a few of them that are significant in all of our lives. I'm sure you can think back and think of a couple of events that help define who you are today, like all of us can. You know, for me, it was about being conscious and understanding that life is a blessing depending on the angle. And I always had the mentality, like once I found out that I was good at baseball, I knew that was my ticket. I knew that my upbringing led me to being on the field, which led me to, you know, having some baseline talent, but really getting to the level that I played at, which 0.0002% of college baseball players even get to was was the fact that uh, I had work ethic and it was and it was built into me. So I think it was really just a decision that I made at 12 or 13 years old, once you start to become conscious about your surroundings, and you start to make friends in different parts of the city, you start to take a look at your life and say, like, what is this? What does this mean? Yeah, this event is happening to me. Does this mean that I'm a that I'm a bad kid? Does this mean I have shitty parents? Does this mean that I was put in this position so that I could overcome this to then inspire teammates and inspire other people that I'm surrounded by. And I really took the ladder and I ran with it. I, I defined my situation as something that was uh, going to progress me through my life and teach me the principles spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally that I needed in order to 
excel at, at a rate that was uh, in congruency with my ambitions. And so I was always a very ambitious kid, an entrepreneur at a very young age, flipping, you know, I used to flip, uh, I don't know if you remember Pogs, I used to flip and sell Pogs, yeah. Pokemon cards. I used to sell, uh, when I was 16 years old, I had a car flipping business. I sold like five cars over a summer. And, you know, so it's that's always been in me. Um, and so it was a combination of things, you know, being broke was never fun. And uh, I wanted to utilize the situation I was placed in to do good for the world and, and not utilize it to complain, because that's what a lot of people do. And I wanted to show them there's a different light. Well, I think you've done that. And then some, I would love to hear a little bit more about your story of being drafted by the San Francisco Giants. Can you tell me a little bit about you know, maybe that last year of playing college ball, like when you first started to realize that you had a real shot at this and then what it was like being drafted, playing and staying with the host families that I know impacted burn boot camp. Yeah. So between college and in the professional ranks, uh, I played in the minor league system. I just want to make that clear. Some people, sure. when I, you know, they, they're like, Oh, you're in the big leagues. I never heard of you. I'm like, you never heard of me because I played the minor leagues with the other <laughs> hundred guys that you've never heard of. But, uh, Nonetheless, uh, it was a shot that I'm that I'm grateful for. And when I got drafted, uh, when, actually, when I was a sophomore in college, I knew that I was good enough because people were telling me that I was good enough. Mm-hmm. And I got the opportunity to travel the country during the summer every year in college that I was there. I was there for three years, and I would stay with host families. And host families are basically for those that don't know, it, they're basically a, a family that will take you in and treat you like their kid like their son for, for a summer. And, you know, when you're, you're there half the time and on the road half the time, but when you're there uh, helping you out with your laundry and making you food and just taking care because, you know, we're putting our heart and soul into the game. And I started to realize these people that I'm staying with are so grateful for life and they're so grateful for their family, but like there's, there's still a similar unhappiness that I'm feeling here that I felt in my family, but the, but it's not apples to apples. Like, what is it? Like, what is it that's, that's causing some anger and overwhelm and frustration within the households that I'm staying at. Cause you can sense those things when you're staying in someone's house. I mean, you get, you get full access. It's like a reality television show. And, you know, sometimes it was very apparent that there was unhappiness and started thinking and, you know, it wasn't abuse. It wasn't physical violence. It wasn't drug abuse. It was unhappiness. Like the self love wasn't there a lot of times. Like people didn't, they, they didn't love themselves. And this is a observation of me staying with dozens of host families and I have stories traveling around and staying with them. You, you largely saw like lack of energy, lack of motivation to move their body, lack of nutrition knowledge, lack of desire to even gain nutrition knowledge, you know? And so I re- realized because I had had to put that work in, you know, being a less than talented athlete to get to where I was, I had to eat well. I had to hit the weight room. I had to take care of my body and I was just doing it. And my host families, some didn't really care and I didn't really see them much, but most of them who were bought in, who loved the game, who wanted to come and watch our games and be bought into our lives. I was an inspiration to them without really even trying. And that's when I knew that I had a God-given talent to, to motivate people, to move people to, to real action and to uh, influence their lives. So when I got drafted by the San Francisco Giants, that same thing continued because you still travel in the summer, you still stay with host families in the minor leagues. And you know, it wasn't like they weren't like aha moments as I'm like there because I'm focused on baseball, right? Like I had no plan B. (laughs) It was like make the big leagues and that's it. And so once I got released, you know, I really reflected on 
what else I was passionate about. And it wasn't long before I realized that uh, helping people live a happier life was my mission. Devin, one of the questions we ask everybody who comes on this podcast is what is a goal that you've achieved in the past? Why was it important to you? And how did you get there? And I'm really interested to hear your answer considering the past that we just discussed. So I think the most memorable goal achievement that that I've ever had was two of them. Really, the the biggest one in my mind was becoming a, a nationwide franchise. You know, I think that when I first started Burn Boot Camp in a parking lot, like I mentioned, I had six hundred dollars to my name. We had zero resources in the Charlotte area, meaning we didn't know anybody. You know, we didn't have any leverage. We didn't know any media contacts. And you know, to start in a parking lot grow a, a movement more than I think it's a movement more than a brand and, and grow it to the point where you're you're talking about a thousand locations coast to coast and being one of the most globally dominant fitness brands on the planet that ever existed I mean that's my biggest accomplishment uh, professionally is is finishing what we call the FDD the franchise disclosure document that creates a uh, that creates a platform for you to be legal to award franchises in all in all the states. That moment, and this was October 2014, this was about two years after I got released. I stayed in Naples, Florida as a personal trainer for about 18 months, moved up to Charlotte, as I mentioned, about eight months, nine months or so, and we uh, started working on the franchise. October 2014 rolls around, we start it, and we finished it in February 2015. And uh, the first I had, a, I had a franchise coach who was helping me out with my, all of my legal documents. And he basically was like, yeah, Devin, if, uh, you know, your concept's pretty good. And he's like, you know, if you if you do if you do three in your first year, you know, you're really, really successful. And my mind is like, OK, this guy's full of shit. I'm going to I'm going to do three in my first week. So I ended up actually doing 10 locations, uh, awarding 10 locations in my first my very first week uh, of announcing. So. It was uh, it was an incredible jump start. It was surreal. It created momentum. It uh, something that I'm always going to look back on and be like, I think goal achievement is is exists because of decision making, and the decision that we made to take this route into scaling this brand not only benefits you know my wife and I uh, you know and able to grow fast and become financially free, but also just seeing how many clients that we impact on a daily basis, reading all of the emails, like people who are on the brink of suicide, sending me emails and saying a video or a podcast or a, you know, a blog post changed their life and like, like shifted their mindset, all of that because of one decision to become a franchise and to scale the experience fast. I'm, I'm always going to be m- most proud professionally of that one decision to to go for it because it's a scary thing to do. Franchising is very capital intensive and a lot of franchise systems fail. So no failure in our eyes though. One thing that I think is really interesting too is you're balancing on one hand, you've got this incredibly fast growing franchise with I read, I think over 20,000 clients and counting, but at oh, the same I, time, I want to make a correction right there. Uh, 141,118, but who's counting? Holy cow. Oh my gosh. Well, I, my stats were outdated. So <laughs> awesome. That is amazing to hear. So how do you balance that with a strong sense of community and family that I know is important to you and your wife in founding this company? I think the question is, is great. And I did write about this and stop starting over. And, and I think the reason why a lot of the questions that I get ended up going into the book is because of 
our mindset and it's not of balance. Like we're not trying to balance being a big brand versus being a family oriented brand versus having our own family versus our work and professional and personal lives. Like we, Morgan and I believe in holistic integration and it's, it is something, uh, Ariana Huffington talks a lot about it. She's, she's well known for this, but it's like taking everything that you care about in your life and in making sure that you don't have to put big, thick walls between your personal and professional life. Like we want to, we want to have an atmosphere where we love what we do. We love the people that we do it with. They love us back. And every day we can get up and like, no matter how big we get, it's not going anywhere because everything starts and stops with the leadership of an organization or a family. And Morgan and I are the leaders and we genuinely and authentically believe like in our hearts that our members or our fan, like they're our family. I, I, at my speech last night at my, my book launch, the last thing that I said was, you know, thank you guys for showing me what family truly means because I've never, I've never had one like this before. So family and is built into the culture. Authenticity is built into the culture and it, Morgan and I are leading and that's just who we are as people. So I think it really trickles down through our franchise partners to our head trainers, to their support trainers, to our, what we call burn ambassadors at our front desks and, and through our clients. And then even through our clients to their families which I think is one of the reasons that we're, we're growing so fast because we're really able to take an emotional and mental approach and a spiritual approach, not just a physical approach, which creates a whole different dynamic. And a lot of people will be like, I, I love burn. I've never exercised before and I don't know what it is. There's something different about it and I love it. And we hear that all the time over and over and over. And I, and I think it is because of, of that reason. We, we just don't, we don't try to balance things. But the nature of a balance beam is, in order to in order to have you know it even, you have to take away or add to. And uh, I want all of the areas in our life to be in the black, if you will. I don't ever want to withdraw too much from my spirituality to run the business, or withdraw too much from my family to focus on a book, or focus on a book so hard that I lose my own fitness. So it's just integrating everything so that you know you can do two things at once. I can have a conversation with Morgan at night and bond with her over what's going on in the business and it makes life a whole lot easier. I love that. It's a philosophy of adding in instead of taking away things and I think that's really valuable. You also touched on this when you said that the leadership trickles down not just within an organization but also within a family. And I know that a big part of your bootcamp philosophy is making the mom's health a priority in families because so many times moms have the tendency to be the caretaker for everyone else, but not their own physical or emotional or mental strength. So I'd love to know more about how you came to that realization. What influenced you to make that focus on women and moms specifically and empowering them through Burn Bootcamp? Yeah, you know, it started when I was staying with all of my host families, as we talked about before. And I think that was really like, like I said, it wasn't like an aha moment where I was like, man, you know, I want to be I want to be a trainer that focuses on family's health. And, you know, if you take a look at the family dynamics, like as much as us guys really don't like to admit it, our wives and our and our and the women in our lives are pretty much the rulers of the world and they're the leaders. And so realizing that if you can impact a mom's health, you can impact a mom's mentality. You can impact more so her happiness. Well, then you're really able to get through to the family because 
you know, they always say happy wife, happy life. It's so, it's so cliche, but it's, it's so true. When, when the mom of a household is living in vitality, when they're living in energy, when they have, when they feel like they're giving and giving and giving, but they're also filling themselves up too, so that they can give more. I think that's really what changed the game for a lot of our clients originally here in Huntersville, North Carolina, just north of Charlotte, where we started, who really helped me creative a voice surrounding moms like so many so many moms gosh i mean they it's really frustrating sometimes and also an opportunity but frustrating to hear moms say i'm just a mom like i just want to take a moment to address this real quick any moms listening to this because if you think you're just a mom you have to know that you're so much more than that you're you're a caregiver you're a nurturer, a chef, an entertainer, an educator, a taxi driver. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And you do so many things and you excel at each one that there's no way to justify that thought that you're just a mom. Like you are a freaking rock star and you need to own that. And when I started leading Burn Boot Camp in the parking lot, I told my clients, I told my moms, I'm going to change the world. And I, and I don't care who's in my way. I'm going to help change this world and leave it a better place than when I found it. And people thought I was crazy. Uh, the program originally started as Fit Community of Moms, which we've kind of dropped that tagline because now you know we are accessible to men and women and children. And but that was really how it started. That was the grassroots uh, concept, just because I noticed how prevalent the just a mom mentality was. And so to the women of Huntersville, North Carolina, if y'all are listening to this, like you guys have created a movement and y'all banded together and you've gotten rid of those poisonous thoughts for yourself. And now you're helping millions of other moms do it. And, you know, moms aren't saying around here that they're just a mom anymore. Now they're like, they're the, all, they're the all-star, they're the, the rock star. And I shout them out, put them on a pedestal. And, and I thank every mom who realizes that selfishness is not selfish whatsoever when you're doing it for the right reasons. You don't have to be a selfish person. You don't have to be a, in the true, truest sense of the word you can be selfless by being selfish. When you are pouring into yourself, when you put your oxygen mask on before applying the oxygen mask to other people, you breathe life into yourself first so that you can give energy through them and you don't have to try hard. So take care of yourself, make yourself the number one priority in your own life above all else. And I know how difficult that is over spirituality and over family, and, but you have to because if you don't, how are you ever gonna find the energy to give outwardly? Wow. I'm not a mom, but I feel really inspired right now to go go out and take care of myself. So thank you. Starts before your mom, by the way, but it just gets harder when you, cause I have kids now and I started this movement before I had children and, you know, it definitely gets harder, but I know that there's no excuses now. Cause it used to be like, Devin, okay, I get, you can say that you're a 24 year old kid. Like that's, you know, not even married yet. And you know, you don't have kids. You don't understand. Well, it's all about the paradigm, right? How are you, what lens are you looking at it through? And so when I, I started having children, I have two, Cameron and Maxwell, there's, she's two and he's seven months. I felt it, but it was about adjusting and it was about adapting. And so it's, it's definitely possible and people are doing it all over the place. So don't think you're an anomaly if you know, you have kids and it becomes a struggle, <laughs> but uh, start practicing before kids. All right. Because once you, once you get there, you don't want that radical shift. You want to be able to kind of progressively ease your way into children and healthy lifestyle. Yeah. Let's go into that a little bit more. Cause that was actually something I wanted to talk to you about because a lot of our listeners are women who maybe aren't married or don't have kids yet. So how would you encourage them to set strong goals and habits now to set them up for success if, and when they do have a family down the line? 
Yeah, no, I think ultimately, and I talk about this a lot and stop starting over this concept of the North Star. I've, I've utilized this. I actually have a tattoo on my back to prove it. <laughs> oh my gosh, you committed. I, I, yeah, I committed a long time ago. As I was 21 or 22 years old uh, playing baseball, I committed to this concept. And the concept was that I have an outcome, a singular outcome that I want my life to be. And I have, you know, I answered the questions, what do I really want? Like, as simple as that sounds, and why do I really want it? And create clear definitions surrounding those two questions, because that gives you clarity. It gives you a GPS as you're going through your life. On a daily basis, we have the opportunity to create rituals in our lives. And those rituals, which most people call habits, things that you do repeatedly over and over as a ritual, and are those are those in alignment with this North Star concept in your life or are they not? So I've always had you know, kind of top of mind. And I put it in the book literally as North Star. And I and I branded the book with stars and everything because I thought it was super important to realize that no matter where you are in your life today, you have to be doing things that align with your ultimate outcome of your life. Like there can't be internal conflicts. If there are, then you have to make sure that you're self-aware enough, which is a highly underrated skill. If you're self-aware enough to take a look at your life from a 30,000 story foot view and say, look, look dude, or do that, like this ritual, this thing that I'm doing in my life isn't isn't getting me to this ultimate outcome that I'm after. You can also visualize like a North Star, like a perfect day. Like if you had to live a perfect day, like what exactly would you do? If you had to live a day over and over and over again with no limitations, no consequences, like what would you do when you get up? What would you do the next? And what would you do at lunch? And what would you do next? And like, what would your day look like if you, and that is, uh, it's a great exercise because you get an opportunity to look at your life with no limitations. Like we, some of us struggle so hard to find our passion when it's right in front of us. Answer that question. If I had to live a perfect day over and over, what would it look like with no limitations? That will give you an opportunity to define what you're passionate about without you having to ask yourself that weird question. What am I passionate about? Because you're going to do the things over and over every single day that you only the things that you love because you're stuck with them. So one of those two things uh, or both, and I write about both of them in the book can give you that guidance throughout your life. So I, I, I can't sit here on a podcast and tell anybody that exercising five days a week and eating only plants and a little bit of protein and, you know, like the generic fitness stuff. I can't tell them that because I don't know if that what if that's what makes people happy or not. I know that my personal decisions align with my outcome and part of my outcome is to live a long time so that I can see my great grandchildren grow up. But I, I, I can't tell I can't tell people like you should exercise three times a week for 15 minutes or six times a week for an hour. It's like you got you have to do you like I know people that I know people, including myself, that you're so freaking busy all the time. And it's a real thing, like real busyness, not like thumbing through Instagram or Facebook or something. And sometimes you can only get 10 minutes or 15 minutes in a day, but it's a must that you do it. That's your own decision. So you, ha I think people have to work back. I think they have to work backwards. That's the, my answer. You have to look at what you want your life to be in 50 years from today. Realize that we all have decades left. We all can grow. None of us are perfect. And you have to reverse engineer that life to so there's no internal conflicts so that you know you're you can't complain about your job but then also binge watch house of cards for five hours every night like you you can't do that if you're happy binge watching house of cards who am i to tell you that you shouldn't be doing that it's what makes you happy and that's what i'm all about is is finding ways to create happiness 
But if you're complaining about your job and you're watching House of Cards, now there's an internal conflict. So I'm just really, really passionate about reverse engineering and becoming self-aware along the way. And how does that concept of reverse engineering tie into the stop starting over mentality that you titled your book after? Yes. I mean, so many people, I mean, think about it. You hear it all the time, right? Like, oh, I'll just start next Monday or I'm starting a diet plan tomorrow or, you know, it's New Year's. It's New Year's resolution time. I'm making a New Year's resolution, but you've made the same one the last seven years. Like there's no progression there. So reverse engineering uh, really ties into stop starting over because what you do is you create this North Star that I'm talking about again, what you really want specific to you and why you really want it specific to you. And that becomes, that becomes this, this, uh, this outcome. For example, I think to put into context for my life, I want to, uh, I want to live past 90 years old because I want to see my children grow. And during my life, I want to be a business builder because I know that it'll provide for my family financially the way my parents could never provide for me. And my uh, wife is the most important thing to me in the world, and I want her to feel proud of her life and proud of what she does for a living and what her identity is. And, you know, why do I really want it? Well, because I think that love is the most important thing and the only asset that we truly own and that we can control. And so then you just got to work backwards from, from there. You got to say, okay, all right, that, okay, that's my ultimate outcome in my life. Okay, today is going to the cupboard and eating a whole bag of Oreos going to help me live till I'm 90 years old? And the answer is no. So there's an internal conflict there. And so reverse engineering uh, and having that North Star, it's basically a GPS on your your way to get to your ultimate outcome. It's giving you a way to make decisions throughout your entire day, answering the question, does this align with my North Star? And that's all reverse engineering is. So stop starting over is basically teaching you philosophically how to do that. Like if you're looking for like 30 day meal plan, 30 day exercise program, like don't even buy my book because it's not going to help you. Um, this is for people who are at rock bottom, who, who really need direction with their lives and don't have a mentor like I didn't when I was young or people who are living life at a really high level. They want to take it to the next level. It's not going to speak much to people in the middle who are just content with being mediocre. One thing that you've also said across your book and across your platforms that I've really honed in on is that success is 90% psychology and 10% strategy. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you came to realize that. And it seems like that ties in perfectly to the stop starting over, because if you get your mind right, if you get that North Star clarified in your brain, then that's got you almost all the way to success already. It's all about belief. I mean, if you boy, if you if you really look at successful people versus unsuccessful people, it's the it's the it's the amount of conviction that they have in their own belief system. And a belief is nothing more than thoughts that you continue to think over and over and buy into. And you know, 90, 90 10 rule, ninety percent you know, success is ninety percent psychology and ten percent mechanics is basically saying that the reason why you're starting over and over and over and over is because you're you're 90% focused on the mechanics and you're 10% focused on the foundational psychology that's going to allow you to create belief systems and, and, and delete old belief systems that were installed into you from a young age uh, you know inappropriately by a parent or a teacher or you know you had a dad who told you you were you were the fat kid the, your whole life and now you identify as the fat kid and, and now you think that it's all about losing the fat when really it's it's about taking a step back and saying where like psychology is 
the foundation to like to success period. Like I wish I could say it's a hundred percent psychology and and zero percent mechanics, but strategies do play. They do play a part. You know, you have to work out and you have to eat right. But look, if I asked a room full of a thousand people, is it true or false that you have to eat healthy often and exercise often to become a more healthy person? How many people would say true? All of them, right? So if if a hundred percent of people understand the knowledge and then our obesity rates and our, our, our weight of overweight American citizens is nearly 70%, 5% higher than it was five years ago, then there's a serious disconnect there, isn't there? Like yeah. everyone knows what to do, but nobody's doing it. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big void. That's a pretty big problem. And that's what I wanted to do with this 90-10 rule is address that. The reason that you know things, but you're not doing them is because you believe in your head, your thought processes tell you that knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is only potential power. And if, unless you take action on top of that knowledge, then it's never going to, you're never going to make any real changes. So it's about putting priorities in order and, and stop starting over really gives foundational principles, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically that allow people to examine their own psychology. It's not my job to tell you how you should think. The best leaders in the world ask the best questions. And so throughout the book, you're gonna see questions being asked of you and exercises for you to do. There's a workbook that goes along with it that you can download on my on my uh, closed Facebook page called Stop Starting Over. And uh, it's really it really is a tool for people to start to understand 9010. And if you don't have 9010 ruled down and you don't believe it, well then you're gonna believe things like, it is what it is. Like I'm just overweight. It is what it is. Or I'm I'm not a fitness person. Like you're gonna have these types of beliefs because you've never questioned them. So I'm getting people to question uh, the way they think. Well, speaking of big questions, I think we've got just enough time for me to ask you the last question that we ask everybody who comes on our podcast, and that is, what's a big goal you have for the future? Why is it important to you? And what steps are you taking to get there? I'm a big thinker. I think uh, anybody that follows me or as a part of our organizations know that we have 400 franchise partners, 800 trainers, 36 people on our headquarter team. And they all know that the crazy stuff that Devin comes up with usually comes to fruition a year or two down the road. So like maybe we should start like believing him a little bit more when he's talking crazy. But uh, with my energy, with my wife's energy, with our team's energy, that we all have collectively with the momentum of all of our clients out there in Burn Nation. We, we have this 15 and 15 rule, 15,000 burn boot camps over the next 15 years. And we live by that. We truly believe it. We really believe it with conviction that that's going to happen. We're already uh, legal in Canada. We'll begin awarding franchises in uh, Ontario, uh, in Toronto specifically, in Vancouver. Uh, we'll begin the UK, some countries in Europe, Ireland, France, Germany, Spain, uh, New Zealand, Australia. Those things are all coming and they're coming very, very soon, like within the next year. And so it's already starting. So for, for me, I want to continue to impact people uh, and use Burn Bootcamp as a distribution platform for positivity and for kindness and for psychology and for education. Uh, I want to control I want to take the conversation away from big marketing companies, big food marketing companies specifically, and big medical companies. And I want to shift the conversation to to our side because the number one reason why I believe that, especially America, is where it is today 
isn't because people like try to sit around and be fat, sick, and lazy. Like we don't, we're not trying to do that. That's not our ambitions, but the conversation, the, the education, the knowledge that we're being fed is largely misleading. And I think Facebook, Instagram, YouTube do a beautiful job of commoditizing distribution platforms to get people's voice like mine out there in the world. And I think a combination of wanting to lead the charge conversationally in terms of health and real change and having a physical platform for people to partner with me to do so in our Burn Bootcamp franchise system uh, is a perfect storm to create the next biggest franchise that's ever existed, fitness franchise. Well, I can't wait to see Burn Bootcamp in a neighborhood near me. Devin, thank you so much for coming on today. Before you go, can you tell us where our listeners can find you on the internet, where they can download your book, and uh, where they can find a Burn Bootcamp? So Stop Starting Over right now is on Amazon. If you like this podcast, you want to dive deeper. My podcast also goes into a lot of concepts. You can search it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, pretty much any syndication platform. I'm really everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, anywhere, IGTV, wherever you feel like you know you hang out the most and in, in the content platform that you like, I'm there. The quickest way to get a hold of me is to just DM me on Instagram. I answer a lot of those. I'm, I'm pretty active over there. And uh, you know, I really look forward to helping people. My wife and I sit in bed every night for 45 minutes to an hour and share stories of clients who are we're communicating with and help people. And it's just it's part of our life and we love to do it. So Chances are I can't get to all the DMs nowadays. I used to be able to, but uh, chances are that we we will uh, have a conversation at some point if if you really want the help. So reach out. Hey, goal getters! Cindy Kuzma here. Just popping back in to let you know that we are about to play a goal from one of you, our listeners. We would love to hear from you. That's right, you. If you'd like to be featured on this podcast, just record a voice memo with a goal that you've crushed, a goal that you have for the future and how you plan to get there, or your best goal-getting tip. Email it to cindy at asweatlife.com and you could be featured on an upcoming episode. Here is you with one of your goals. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road. I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. I'm Sanjana Das, and I'm from Chicago, Illinois. My name is Anna, and I'm also from Chicago, Illinois. So Anna and I both have a love for healthy foods, and it's something that we've talked about since the day we met uh, on our first day of adult work. Um, We've been discussing this year about how we can start a brand that really represents us and our passion for health food. Yes, and so we kind of looked at what we want to share with the world and with our community, and we looked at it from being active, authentic, and ambitious, and just sharing those three different qualities through a lifestyle and through the food that we put out there. And how we plan on getting there, I think it's been a little bit of trial and error, but something that we've come to learn about ourselves, um, and A Sweat Life helped us learn about this too during one of the breakfast and learns is that we have to tell other people about our goals so you know I told my goal to Anna and Anna kind of echoed that it was one of her goals as well so that accountability has led us to really step up and um, come up with a game plan and like a business idea for our goals yes and to add to that I will say that for both of us it's important to be detailed and not just kind of like have a big grand goal out there but 
kind of set up steps that will help us achieve that goal. So, you know, whether it is making a business plan or setting up like a marketing strategy, creating like a brand image that we that we believe in. So taking concrete steps along the way to make to make it happen. Definitely. Yeah, I said I'll be on the road, I'll be back. I'm just reaching for a goal. So don't be upset when I'm not around. Just know I'll be back, so no need to frown. This podcast is a sweatlife.com production, and it's another thing that's better with friends. So please share it with yours. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including on Spotify. And while you're there, if you could leave us a rating or a review, we would really appreciate it. Special thanks to Jay Mono for our theme music, to our guest this week, Devin Klein, to Kathy Lai for editing, to Tech Nexus for the recording studio, and of course, to you, our listeners. <laughs>